I'm Darcy Armstrong. And I'm Lauren Mobley. We're just two animal enthusiasts looking for something to do during these crazy times. The real news, though important, can be a lot. So we're here to provide a break with short, silly stories about our favorite furry, scaly, feathery, and slimy friends. This is another breed of news. Well, Mobley, how was your week in the world? Any Uh, good animal shenanigans that you witnessed? I think... So it's been so cold, but Granger and I are finally getting back out on walks. And mm-hmm. um, it's like that, since it was so cold, you know, the ground has all the ice on it. And now all the salt and sand is being put out. So I have Granger in her booties every now and then. And I'm starting to see <laughs> yes. more and more dogs venturing out with their humans, also mm. wearing their little dog booties. Yes, love it. <laughs> Just like the little, you know, the the dog flop walk of the ones who are just like, why am I doing this? This is ridiculous. It's very entertaining to see. Granger does a great job wearing them. Like, she's like the only dog I've ever seen in action wearing them who seems to get the hang of it. Like every other dog, you know, be it on video or maybe that I see walking across the street, they're just like... It's just like it looks like they're trying to impersonate an elephant or something just like biggest widest steps just absolute chaos um i can't I mean, give any credit for granger like i got the boots we did some treats you know put them in the mm-hmm. put the treats in the boots let her sniff around them and then i just put them on her I'm like well this is either gonna go well or it's not because our family yeah. did ritz she refused. Like if you put anything on her feet, she would refuse to walk. So that was my only point of reference. So imagine yeah. my surprise when Granger just is like, I mean, I don't, she clearly doesn't love it, but she'll do it. Yeah. Which is illuminating for me because my question had been like, do you think it's a small dog versus a large dog issue? Like large dogs just have a harder time with it or, but you know, Ritz being a Karen Terrier, uh, she, was a smaller dog. So I guess maybe there's not a correlation there. If she know. had a problem, but Granger doesn't. I think it's just depends dog to dog, uh, like just how they're predisposed to have things on their feet. And then on top of that, whatever training you have, but we saw a golden retriever yesterday walking like a pro in his booties uh, and Granger. <laughs> Granger had hers on and hers are like hunter orange because they're the only ones that I could find that like had the strap that I wanted so she just she's very much a midwesterner with her fashion yeah. sense I guess <laughs> this golden retriever was walking by and I commented to the person we were both wearing masks I'm like oh hey you like nice boots on your dog she's like oh nice boots on your dog but you could see that the dogs are looking at each other like this sucks <laughs> <laughs> yeah just commiserating <laughs> uh, well I mean you know, at least they, at least the weather's dropping off enough in coldness that they can get back outside reliably, you know, without yeah. fear of trying to pee and then an icicle forming out of the pee street. <laughs> I just feel bad because when it was like that negative temperatures, we, we just didn't go on walks and luckily Granger's yeah. older. So she had, she was fine with playtime, but letting mm-hmm. her into the back to go to the bathroom. I have that path shoveled, but she likes to go off into the snow for some reason, even though it's like above her. So I'd have to like be watching her intently to make sure she doesn't get herself stuck out there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there'd be times when she'd come back to the back door to go through her little doggy door and 
she would be very visibly like limping on one of her paws and like shaking it out. It's like, oh, blah, blah. I'm so sorry that you have to go outside. Every now and then, like I, I watched some videos of cats and dogs that were trained to use the toilets. And I kept, oh, yeah. I'm never going to be that person. But in this very rare situation, I can see why it would be nice uh-huh. to uh, yeah. not have to force them out into the cold. Exactly. Yeah. You could always try and get her a litter box. <laughs> Ugh, I <laughs> but then, yeah, then you have to deal with uh, everything that comes with litter box maintenance, which is, I haven't had a cat in a fair number of years now, but I still, every once in a while, get a very distinctive, like, scent memory of the smell of litter, and it just is unforgettable and unacceptable. <laughs> it is no, not you. fun. No, thank you. Though I am very curious how you train a pet, an animal to go on the toilet. Like that is, that is a dedication. I've seen contraptions where it will like sit in the, uh, it's like a shallow pan or dish that can like sit like inside of like the hole of the toilet seat, but like overlaps the seat itself. Um, And in that you would put like kitty litter or sand I, I don't exactly know what you would do for a dog um since they don't have that you know uh usual training to go in a litter box but uh and then over time gradually like you start taking that away and the at least cats i think are supposed to associate like that even though the litter isn't there anymore they can still go into that hole and i don't know <laughs> the hole is just so big slide right in i don't know I would be mildly concerned. Have yeah. you noticed any interesting animal stuff this week? Other than that squirrel on Monday morning who was chattering at me from the treetops, I thought friendly like. Um, and so I looked up to look at it to cheer myself, you know, because I get great enjoyment from fat little squirrel bodies. Um, but then I tripped on a bunch of steps because I wasn't watching where I was going. And then the squirrel was laughing at me because of it. So I think he tricked me into falling and making a fool of myself because, uh, you know, squirrels are cute, but they are devious. Um, other than that, don't think I've seen anything interesting. You know, again, it being cold, I don't know, just, uh, yeah, I think not as many people walking their dogs to Mm -hmm. any great extent. Uh, I bought um, a new hidey hole for Sheldon that I'm excited for it to arrive. It's like a, it's, it's like a den thing designed for like a ham, maybe not a hamster. I don't know how big hamsters are like a small rabbit or ferret, Mm -hmm. you know, that kind of thing. Like it's like a little house, that will be nice and cozy and soft for her that I'm hoping she will use to go in, do her digging thing that she's always doing in her shell. But like this way, since it's fabric she'll be scratching at, she won't be scratching her little nails down to the nubs. So hopefully they will start good for them to growing have back. Huh? Is it not good for... I don't know. Like I, I was doing some research and like hadn't seen anybody suggesting that like, them filing down their nails on their own agenda is a bad thing but like you know when for lizards where you 
as the human have to like cut their nails for them, like as part of maintenance, um, you have to be very careful about it. And like, usually you're not supposed to cut, like you're supposed to use a nail file because that wears the, the actual tip of the nail down to an appropriate point um, that can't hurt them. Whereas if you were to try and clip it, like clipping a dog's nail, so you, you run the risk, well, with lots of mammals um, as well, you run the risk of like accidentally cutting into, I think they call it the quick. Yep. Yeah. And uh, so that can be a big no-no, but um, you know, like they're just so short now because all like she's just scratching away. Um, so I don't know. I find it the, the worst thing that I saw on the internet when I was doing my research is that like, it makes it harder for her to like cling to things like climbing on stuff and you know, so and mostly I just wanted an excuse to buy something cute. <laughs> oh. I have a question. Okay. Um, so I was at the pet store mm -hmm. a couple of weekends ago. Ironically, Grandeur was getting her nails clipped because I do not trust myself to do that. Yes. Um, and I saw, I was just walking around waiting and I saw they had this like turtle shell that you can put into mm -hmm. a, a lizard's container tank. And doesn't Sheldon have one of those? Yep, that is exactly what she has. And it really uh, got me thinking, like, how terrifying might that be for a lizard to, like, have the shell of a fellow reptile <laughs> without the rest of the reptile? In you know, the that's a good question. Um, because, like, so the one that I have, and I'm pretty sure, like, across the market, people aren't just, like, hollowing out turtle shells to use as decor. Um, but... The one I have is made from like some type of like resin or like ceramic. I'm not exactly certain. No, I mean, I know it's not a real turtle, but. But, but it looks realistic enough. Part of the, um, the reptile of the lizard brain that's like, that's my cousin. Yeah. You know, I wonder about that. Um, and, you know, that's something I'll have to ask Sheldon's uh, previous owner maybe um, sometime here. Because, you know, when I adopted Sheldon, she came with all her, you know, fun things. And one of them being her um, shell, her faux turtle shell, which it, for, for those who don't know what the hell I'm talking about, uh, it's, it's like a, um, it's kind of it like, it acts like as like, fake turtle shell. Yeah, it, it acts as like a little den where your lizard can go into and hide, um, you know, lizards, reptiles, they all like to have a certain like area of security where they can go and hide and sleep and that kind of thing. Um, and so I, I, I do wonder, you know, um, when she was first presented with it in her previous home, if she was like, what? <laughs> like, where did you go? Uh, what's the name of that famous child's turtle? Um, like that book series, Franklin, like to Franklin, what happened to you? Um, I don't know, but now she loves it. Like she spends most of her time in it. And, uh. So I don't know, maybe she- It was just a funny thought. Maybe, what if she has identity crisis issues? Maybe she thinks she's a turtle and that's why she doesn't do normal bearded dragon stuff, much to my chagrin. We all know Shelly is a special one. Yes, um, but at any rate, I'm excited for this soft, cozy little hut to arrive for soft, her. cozy little hut that's human size just like those really nice dog yes. beds how we say we yeah. want a human sized dog bed mm -hmm. okay darcy do you want to hear about goats a dog or a koala first 
Uh, let's go koala. I feel like we've heard a little bit about goats and dogs in the past. Let's get some koalas up in here. Okay. Actually, well, maybe I shouldn't say this is a good segue when we were talking about the booties, but it kind of <laughs> is. So the, all the stories that I have today come from the BBC. Nice. Um, this one was published just a couple of days ago, I think on the 19th. Mm-hmm. Um, it's about a koala whose yes. name is Triumph. Um, and oh, Triumph wow. was born without a foot. Oh. Yeah, so he can get around, but the climbing and the walking is still just like a struggle. Mm-hmm. And so he grew up, it looks like he kind of grew up in a zoo or a sanctuary or something like that. Mm-hmm. And the vet nurse, Marley Christian, had been like trying all the different routes to get this guy some sort of prosthetic um, to help mm-hmm. with his mobility and tried places in Australia, tried places in the U.S. to know there wasn't anything that was working. So then I guess she was just like at the dentist and was talking to her dentist about this koala and the guy, <laughs> his name is John. Um uh-huh. He like specializes in making dentures. He's like, oh, I'll give it a try. Oh. So I'll show you a little picture. So he ended up making like this kind of cap for Triumph's um, leg. Mm-hmm. And it has a little Velcro thing on the top. Oh, my God. Is that a foot? Pretty much. And then on the bottom, he added a whole bunch of tread. And oh, um, wow. it worked. So oh, Triumph can now climb better. He can walk better. This is, uh-huh. they said they're like working on part two of the design to just, you know, uh-huh. make it better. And so it was like cute story. We see stories like this all the time, but it really just made me wonder, like she said that she worked with people in the U.S. and in Australia, like I said, but it's like, this doesn't look like it would be that complicated of a thing yeah. to make. So I'm a little confused as to what, like, what were the barriers previously? Mm-hmm. But hey, thank you, dentist. Now he's got a little side. Yeah. Yeah, he's got a new oh. hobby. Um, spice up that resume. You know, uh-huh. that is interesting because like I've seen a fair number of news articles and videos about and um, very like and di- very, you know, like variable species of animals getting prosthetics for limbs that they've lost, you know, like beak attachments mm-hmm. and you know like uh like a webbed foot kind of situation you know it's not always just like the kind of you know I, I feel like the most typical that we see is like for dogs where it's kind of like a it almost looks like a spring heel kind of contraption mm-hmm. um but yeah like we we've got some pretty like complex stuff on the market I, I don't know maybe it was a matter of like funding like she didn't have the money to be able to work with some of those developers and instead <laughs> settled for this doll foot <laughs> because it literally looks like a cabbage patch doll's foot like it does yeah you can smell the smell of that plastic like in my mind it is it is the smell of childhood toys um I don't think I ever had a cabbage patch doll so I'm gonna take your word for it no they might actually be made out of cloth I don't know uh at any rate like it, it it's it's a creative usage of something that I definitely don't think it was intended for um I I, I like it you know that's interesting because I never thought about the issues of you know an animal you know who's more uh i guess what would the word be arboreal 
in nature, like not having like all of its limbs to operate with, like, you know, with dogs, you know, they, they don't necessarily need to worry about a lot of climbing. So it's, it's okay for a lot of cats and dogs and other mammals to, you know, be tripods, but with the koala, you know, they do so much of their living based on climbing. Um, Definitely be a different lifestyle. Is also an interesting thing about this prosthesis because koalas have claws, very notably. Um, the, the foot, though, that it was given does not appear to have any claw attachments. Maybe so, that would be version 2.0. <laughs> yeah, perhaps. Um, maybe put like some, yeah, I don't know what you would then attach that would also still be safe for the koala, but. Uh, I think, I mean, honestly, I don't think they're going to put claws on it. <laughs> Just gonna just gonna say that, but yeah, <laughs> I think they were saying how they wanted to make the tread a little stronger, so maybe okay. that can balance it out. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I'll end it with saying that it was a triumph. Oh, ah, ah, ah. oh my goodness! And you know that dentist is just bragging about this constantly <laughs> now. At like at the dental convention, I mean, oh, you clean yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, he's just like, oh, I've gotten into a little something interesting lately. <laughs> he can go to these conventions and be triumphant. Oh, oh yeah. It works on so many yeah. levels. Woof. <laughs> what did you find this week? Okay, so let's see here. I've got, uh, well, both, both of my stories uh, this week came from the mirror which is a uk publication um which i my understanding in the past is that it's kind of like a tabloid magazine but um you know actually in my experience it's easier to find these weird animal stories on like less than rep i don't know maybe my interpretation is completely wrong about the mirror maybe it is actually a very prestigious uh publication it is on par with the new york times also i'm going to keep muting myself in between because granger is snoring up a storm so i think you could actually like hear her (laughs) and not be talking (laughs) (laughs) um so let's see here um actually kind of to segue um, from your story about medical devices for animals made out of unconventional things. I've got a story for you here. Uh, This comes from The Mirror, uh, specifically written by Haley Pugh and Ryan Merrifield. Um, Pet goldfish, aneth, oh dear God. Pet goldfish, anethesis, okay, hold on. Anethesizer? All right. I need, yes, I need to think through, uh, I know how to s- pronounce this in my head, but my mouth is not following appropriately. Pet That's goldfish anesthetized and undergoes op to fix broken jaw using paper clips. Wait, you said a goldfish? Ooh. A pet goldfish gets <laughs> anesthetized. Ah! <laughs> he gets put under and undergoes an operation to fix his broken jaw. Uh, I have so many questions. Oh, man, I'm going to see if you answer any of them first. Okay. Uh, peripatetic veterinary surgeon Shona Hingston from Northumberland found her pet. Peripatetic in your first try. <laughs> I had 
to mouth it out a couple of times silently. Um, I, I thought I was going to have a problem with that word. That's why I didn't practice the other one. <laughs> okay. But uh, so this, this veterinary sh surgeon, uh, Shona Hingston, uh, she found her pet goldfish, Stephen, had, had broken his jaw while trying to eat Cory, the catfish, in his tank. Um, and a quick screen share um, so that you can see the, uh... oh wait, I don't think I know how to do that again. Why technology? <laughs> okay, well, I will just have to send you the photo later because otherwise I'm just gonna get too distracted trying to figure out how to send this to you. Um, the greedy goldfish, which is a quote from this article, he uh, ran into a little bit of issue when he bit off more than he could chew, <laughs> attempting to eat a catfish. So my first impression reading that sentence is like, how big is this goldfish? Because, you know, I'm thinking of like a Mississippi catfish in my head for this story. I'm like, this, this is preposterous. Like, what is going on here? So uh, Shona Hingston comes home, finds that Stephen, her goldfish, is in distress and notices that there is a little bit of the catfish's tail sticking out of this goldfish's mouth. So my understanding at first was like, oh, so the goldfish bit off a piece of the catfish's tail and was like choking on it? Okay, understandable. No, incorrect. Um, Shona, I'll get to that part, but uh, Shona, who is a peripatetic veterinary surgeon, uh, immediately started um, to take action by cutting Stephen's throat in order to remove Corey the catfish, who surprisingly survived this entire experience. Uh, and then the following day, Stephen was rushed into surgery where Shona, who is 42 years old, uh, anesthetized him before stitching up his throat, which she had cut the previous day. And then she made him a fixator out of plastic paper clips in order to hold his broken jaw together while it healed. Now I've heard of other very inventive methods of tending to goldfish injuries before. I, I remember a few years ago reading this story about a fish who like they're their jaw was growing improperly um, and it was impairing their ability to eat food. So their owner created like a sling of sorts or like almost, almost it act, actually they gave this fish braces like made from a cut up credit card. <laughs> and, you know, I thought things could be weirder than that. Um, it turns out you can, yeah. and it turns out you can operate on fish uh, to this degree. So uh, surprisingly, the paperclip trick worked and this device was uh, eventually removed um, once Stephen's jaw was mended. So um, basically she uh, has had Stephen for eight years, said that she had previously, and I don't know what this term means, but she had blue petered the paperclip trick, although she still has no idea how Stephen even managed to get this catfish into his mouth. And uh, here's the other part of the problem um, that, you know, up, up until this point, I was like, okay, so like he tries to bite the catfish's tail, catfish gets away unscathed, but minus a little bit of its tail. That's not actually what happened. Um, she came home and found that Stephen had a little bit of the tail sticking out of his mouth. The rest of the catfish was in his throat. 
So like, that's the reason why she had to was to remove Corey because this goldfish had somehow ingested an entire catfish. I'm going to look up the size of a catfish. Huh? I'm going to look up the size of a catfish. I'm having some trouble here. There is a photo um, of the catfish as well. And it is actually much smaller than like I had been anticipating. And I know that goldfish can actually to be incredibly large especially i believe that steven is what they call a fancy goldfish mm-hmm. also, hmm, hoity, but um at any rate uh shona says that uh nothing i did could remove the fish that she had at the time assumed was dead so i cut his throat i know that sounds awful but he was in real distress and i got the fish out uh it was incredible it was really badly damaged but alive so she kept Corey the catfish in a nursery tank nursery tank with some other fish friends to see if he would recover and he did luckily um steven unfortunately then had the hole in his throat and still a broken jaw which he had incurred trying to swallow Corey. um so yeah she basically was able to suture his throat back together and uh yeah paperclip uh fixator over his mouth um and and the funny thing is is that she makes note that she had to use plastic paperclips because metal damages their jaws um yeah. and it's like worse than a catfish <laughs> the catfish yeah and, and um so <laughs> she eventually put steven um into his quarantine tank and syringe fed him until he you know was well enough and his jaw was fixed and uh now he's back in the tank and thriving she says goldfish will literally eat anything they are extremely greedy it's just that catfish are super fast and fancy goldfish are slow so she doesn't really know why this happened in the first place um and this is another great quote goldfish are not kids pets they need loads of looking after they actually need loads of space and they are intelligent they can recognize and remember faces and can even be taught tricks um so like the story ends nicely enough um but i'm just like kind of a little annoyed with shona here because she's a veterinary surgeon she knows the you know uh hard work that goes into caring for goldfishes and other fishes fish in in particular and yet so like you corrected yourself because i feel like this is cringed a little when he said fishes maybe we need to be a bit more particular about what fish we group with other fish like if you knew that this fish was so greedy why were you keeping him with the other fish that he could and like Okay, so so Stephen takes it upon himself to try and gobble down Corey the catfish, who is pretty sizable. Um, what about the? Were there other fish that are unnamed that perished because uh, Stephen decided to make a snack out of them? You know, if if he's trying to eat a whole catfish, like probably ate a bunch of other fish before this point. Um, I don't know. I just think Shona should probably know. Did you ever go to Megan's house and see the fish that she won at a fair at a fair in like high school that was still alive through pretty much her entire college? I've heard the tale of these legendary fish. Uh, and like I know that like, you know, I've seen evidence before of how big goldfish can get, you know, when properly cared for and stuff, but like I don't know, it just 
Uh, I, I, I just think it's funny. It was a goldfish. It was huge. Like the biggest fish I it was, and it lived for like, I'm sure someone's going to, one of someone of our friends is going to listen to this and be like, it's not 10 years, Lauren, but I'm pretty sure this fish lived for like 10 years. Definitely. Oh, no doubt. Yeah. Like at that point. So I could see like, if the fish was that big, I could see it being able to eat a catfish, but I could also, uh, and I, I was having, like, I could see it being big enough that you really could perform the surgery and actually be able to kind of see what you're doing. It's crazy. Yeah, that's yeah. fair. Again, my question when reading like the first half of this article was like, oh my God, this tiny little goldfish somehow like tried to swallow a whole catfish. Like what freak accident is this? But, uh, you know, I, I, I do critique Shona a little bit for, I, I, I am hoping that maybe she has made some adjustments so that Stephen and Corey are not in the same tank anymore like I feel like Corey's got some trauma he probably needs to work out um but I will give her credit like this is a pretty incredible feat to you know not only successfully cut the throat of one fish and remove the alive fish and keep it alive in the process but then also be able to go back to that original fish and then sew up its cuts and then also create a contraption to like fix its bro- like most people hands steady hands. I, I just like, most people probably would have been like, well, they're both goners. Like, yeah. Goodbye. I have a new appreciation um, for how hard it is to keep fish alive with the fish that oh Anna yeah. has. It's been like an ordeal. Uh, mm-hmm. And I can, we have some shrimp in the tank with them and those yeah. shrimp are little murderers. We had some fish just kind of like disappear overnight. What? They must have died. And the shrimp is like, you know, like last week or was it earlier this week? I can't quite remember. I come up during one of my teaching breaks and I see one of the shrimp fish had been suffering and I see like it's on the, the, the bottom of the tank and there's like yeah. three or four giant um, shrimp just like attacking it, but it's still wiggling Aww. around. I was like, what am I supposed Aww. to do? What am I supposed to do? It was, it was yeah. actually traumatizing. <laughs> yeah. It's like nobody t- at the, you know, pet store or whatever tells you like, okay, in this eventuality or possible eventuality. This I don't is- know. The person who gave Jenna all this stuff was like a fish expert. And like, this was never presented to me that these uh, shrimp yeah. that you would think are going to be tiny, but there are some that are quite sizable are these little opportunistic scavengers. Oh, anyway. Yeah. Well, um, what time is it? We can keep going. Do you want to hear on that note? Do you want to hear about goats or a dog next? Let's go for some goat news. Okay, this one will be quick. All right. Um, so this is in Wales in a town called Landedno. So there are these Kashmiri goats that um, just like live in Wales. Um, and in this town, a wild herd of about 120 of them have started to like take over. <laughs> Basically... They usually, they're pretty skittish of humans. And so they usually only go into the town when the weather where they kind of naturally congregate gets to be too windy or whatever. Um, But because of the coronavirus, there haven't really been any tourists. So the town is pretty empty of people for the most part. So the the goats just decided to uh, start to come down into the streets, eating people's gardens. They've had some little babies and the According to this BBC article, the um, the residents of 
Landon, though, are totally okay with this. It's free entertainment. They get to watch these goats frolicking around and uh, <laughs> they hope that they just kind of stay for as long as they want. And I think this is adorable because I want to look out my window and see little baby goats prancing around. Exactly. I live for these kinds of shenanigans and yet they never happen to me. Yeah, I definitely like if I want this to be a regular part of my life, I got to move. But uh, no, I, I, I love that. Like the town, though, is so cool with them just like infringing upon, uh, you know, these gardens and, uh, you know, <laughs> amenities like that. That's very nice. Then again, like. You know, our, our friend Sarah, who has spent a fair amount of time across the pond, uh, you know, time and time again, she's told me just like how, you know, people in England and Ireland just, oh my God, Lauren, Lauren is showing me the photo of one billy goat uh, who is like up by somebody's bay window, just like peering in. Literally <laughs> just, peering in. <laughs> Walking um, along the streets, they're beautiful. I mean, yeah, they are. Goats are. They should work for uh, L'Oreal or something. Called cashmere? Yeah. Like cashmere? Do they make? Like, if you shear them, can you make cashmere sweaters? Oh, it's not spelled the same way. I, uh, I don't. I don't know. Hmm. But uh, you know, our friend Sarah has always mentioned how like sheep and and uh, well. I'd also assume goats are very um, highly regarded uh, in the UK, like that they are treated better than dogs oftentimes, um, which uh, I, I'm a big fan of, you know. Got to treat those makers of coats in such nicely. Um, okay, it looks like the, they are. They're just spelled oh. differently. Wow. Well, that doesn't surprise me because really their hair is nicer than mine or their fur. Jeez, look at those locks. Just hanging out, like literally up against yeah. people's windows. Not, yeah. <laughs> no privacy. Man, <laughs> I would like on you. <laughs> they don't like people. They usually only come down from the great, oh, yeah. They don't I'll like- Look at the videos and stuff uh, posted in the show notes. <laughs> Too cute. You know how we love a good goat story, so I had to share that one. Oh my gosh. I, and I love a good goat invasion story, more yes. importantly. Yes. Plus, we also need to put goats on the list of animals most likely to take over the world um, in 30 years. <laughs> really? There. Yeah. Well, do you want to hear one last story or a scale? Sure, let's do one more. All right. This one's really short. Um, this is again from the Mirror UK, um, written by Helena Vetsy and Ryan Merrifield. Uh, Pet iguana baffles vets by coming back to life at crematorium hours after dying. Oh, goodness gracious. Larissa Palmieri uh, was devastated when she found that her beloved pet iguana Frank was lifeless in his cage. Um, however, hours later, she got a call from the crematorium she had sent his body to. Uh, they called her to say that he had recovered. So we've got a bit of a Lazarus situation is this going. A lizard situation. Uh, oh my God! How could I not? Know that. Um, so, 
Frank is a large tropical iguana. Uh, he's 10 years old and um, his owner, Larissa, had gone out for a little bit of time and came back to her house to find him cold and lifeless one morning earlier in the week. Um, she eventually accepted that he had passed away. She had tried like for hours to revive him. And, uh, you know, I, I feel for her because like lizards can do a very convincing job of being dead and also like when it's in the final stages of dying like you know they it, it can be a slow process for them because they don't metabolize um in the same manner that like other animals do so like their their deaths are often like a bit more stretched out i don't exactly know how that relates to the metabolism but everything's a bit slower with them <laughs> is what i gather but um so uh and funny enough, she is a science teacher. Um, so the uh, end result of this story is a little bit more ironic in that regard that she maybe didn't think about the habits that iguanas seem to um, yeah. display in the <laughs> wild. But um, this this was in uh, ha Haslingden Lanks, which I assume is short for Lancashire. Um, but uh, so Frank, he was found lumped over on his wooden log on Wednesday um apparently had gone into cold shock um that's are not exactly certain why um given that he was surrounded by his heat lamps um but at any rate when iguanas you know are things that they are not enough and and this is also the same for other reptiles such as sheldon the bearded dragon when they sense that they are not getting enough heat um in order to keep their body warm enough since they cannot create their own body heat um, they can often uh, induce themselves into like a cold state. Um, so like they kind of go into like a form of brumation that will, you know, preserve their life systems, but they, you know, are very low function at that point in time. Hence why Larissa probably thought Frank was dead. Um, so she, she, she notes how his mouth was floppy, his mouth was gray, where it should have usually been pink. I couldn't even open his eyes to get a response. Um, he was very limp and floppy, you know, very much seemingly dead. And, uh, you know, that that is a horrible experience um, to, you know, <laughs> sense that death in your animal. But um, I swear this is not as sad of a story as I'm making it out to be. So well, we know he's spent hours trying to um, he just wasn't warming up enough. So eventually she had the staff from Legacy Pets Crematorium come and collect him, um, which is, they are a pet crematorium um, specifically, I believe. Uh, yes. And um, then um, later when at the crematorium, the staff were checking, sure preparing him for his final voyage and uh then he started to twitch and opened his eyes which i can only imagine is terrifying to be the person working that right day though. like with other lizards if i you can only hope that they are like a seasoned vet veteran of this industry that they can be like oh we got a live one instead of just like holy cripes it's alive um but at any rate a spokesperson said of course we were startled by this but took it upon ourselves to contact a reptile expert who then advised us that frank was too cold and so his body had put itself into a state of cold shock um they eventually uh put 
heaters around the iguana and uh, called an expert to get more um, information about what to do. Uh, Frank became more seemingly more normal. And then uh, Larissa notes how after an hour had passed, her mom, I'm not sure how the mom factors into this, why, why the crematorium was communicating with the mom instead of Larissa. But at any rate, an hour passed and my mom called me saying she needed to talk. I wasn't in the mood, but she, she told me, no, seriously, Frank is alive. So they go to the crematorium and everybody's outside waiting for them. And Frank was sat waiting for Larissa and immediately perked up when she arrived. Um, and uh, so he, he was taken to a vet overnight just to make sure that he was okay. But um story, I believe Larissa notes how she and her partner are going to be moving into a new house. And when they do, they intend on giving Frank his entire own room, which I'm sure he will love. Um, she also has a Burmese python, a rainbow boa, a common boa constrictor, a dwarf snout, some laser lizard, three tigers, and a frog and a rabbit. So this lady's got a lot going on. Um, so, yeah. And only <laughs> Something tells me. Yeah, I wonder about that. I'm like, are you actually just moving into like a giant mansion and all of these animals get their own setup? Because otherwise, I think everybody else is going to be a little bit jealous and then also start playing dead so they can get their own room. Um, oh my God. Gotta love it. Good on you, Frank. He and you ever see those news stories, like the weather reports for Florida every now and then? It's like, Watch yeah, out that's immediately what this yeah and um you know i had first learned about that phenomenon um a few years ago you know again seeing like a clickbait article about like iguanas are dropping from the trees in florida and i'm like hold up what <laughs> and of course it is you know when the temperature drops in florida you know during the winter months um a lot of iguanas who you know are more arboreal um, in, in that state, they uh, don't often do well with that like very quick cold snap. Um, so they seemingly drop dead from the treetops when in fact they're just, you know, a little shocked. And uh, usually like, they walk it off pretty quickly. Um, but yeah, you know, it's just so funny like to hear the perspective of some Floridians who are like, I was terrified and so I picked up this poor reptile and brought it home and he eventually came around and uh you know I think at the time I was like I know my new dream job I'm just going to <laughs> Florida and just start going around and like uh you know anticipating the falling iguanas and set up like little trampolines for them underneath or something so they don't hurt themselves. You would have been um, awesome in Texas this past week helping uh, save the sea turtles. Oh my gosh, that, that was, was so heartwarming. Oh man, you know, all, all this week, um, I'm subscribed to a subreddit uh, about bearded dragons, and uh, I was seeing so many people posting about like looking for hints and tips about how to, you know, keep their beardies warm, um, you know, without you know, having heat and uh, my heart just went out to all the poor little babies. And, you know, you're just hearing about people like, yeah, I've basically just had um, Spike here snuggled up on my chest for the past 48 hours or something like that. And there was one period of time where um, there was like a scheduled um, power outage in my old neighborhood um, during January. And 
I had to like take a little bit of time off of work in order to be able to go home and like be there when they put shut the power off so that I could like keep Sheldon warm enough and like you know I had stocked up on like all different kinds of crap and I was just like terrified so I can only imagine just like how stressful it's been um so yeah it was nice to see a heartwarming good deeds I've got some research of different organizations that people can donate to to help the animals in Texas that we can link into the show that's wonderful thank you for doing that I was actually myself curious about that um so i will also be checking that out um, and if you follow granger's instagram granger 1715 we've been posting ways that you can help texas just in general not just animal yeah. specific so if you follow her on instagram granger 1715 check out her stories there are a lot of resources there as well yeah. on that, that note yeah <laughs> Thanks for chatting, Darcy. Yeah, thank you as well. It's good to hear some silly news mm-hmm. in a week that, you know, had a lot of very serious news. Um, um, in any rate, oh my gosh, Granger is just a little okay. flop there. Oh, it's just so cute. Oh, oh boy. Right. Okay, Sheldon, hey. Thanks for listening, yeah. everyone. Uh, yep. And I uh, hope you have a good rest of your Sunday and that everybody has a nice week ahead of them. And hopefully may you all have a nice animal shenanigan story that happens to you, whether it be goats invading your town or a squirrel laughing at you and your clumsiness. <laughs> Amen to that. Yeah.